So I am here today with Dr. Angie Lindsay. Dr. Lindsay, can you please tell me a little bit about yourself and your position? Sure. So I am an assistant professor in the Department of Family, Youth, and Community Sciences here at the University of Florida. And I also have a dual appointment with the Pi Center, which is the Public Issues Education Center for Agricultural and Natural Resources. So I have a kind of a dual appointment. So FYCS is my departmental home. And then I work in the Pi Center on projects and uh, research. So you work with the uh, Florida Extension Disaster Education Network? I do, yes, sorry, that's <laughs> my biggest role and I completely overpassed it. So I am the EDEN point of contact for, for UFIFIS Extension. So, and what EDEN stands for is Extension Disaster Education Network. Okay, so what does EDEN exactly do? So EDEN is actually a network of extension professionals throughout the country and there's actually some that are worldwide as well. Each land grant university throughout the country has one person that's a point of contact. Some universities have two. We actually have two as well because our Sea Grant office is based here at University of Florida. Uh, Dr. Marty Main is the Sea Grant point of contact and I'm the point of contact for everything else. Uh, but it's a, basically a network of extension professionals throughout the country and, and throughout the world that share best management practices and resources in relation to disaster preparedness, disaster mitigation, and disaster recovery. Awesome. So how do you guys provide like disaster education for agriculture and to the public? So we, I mean, we're Florida. We're surrounded by water. So, I mean, we're definitely geared towards natural disasters, obviously. So year-round, University of Florida IFAS Extension actually has a lot of education materials up on uh, the website. We have fact sheets up there regarding how to prepare, also how to um, mitigate a disaster, and also how to recover from a disaster, particularly hurricanes and tropical storms, because that's typically what we are hit with here in Florida. Um, and those things are up on our website at all times. In addition, we have the EDEN, which is the Education Database Information System. I'm not positive on that acronym, but we have that system as well that has information uh, year-round up there also. When we are anticipating a storm or a natural disaster within Florida, we immediately start getting information out to our extension offices. And we have extension offices in all 67 counties here in the state of Florida. And we try to push as much information to those folks as possible to help them get their communities prepared, help their communities recover. Uh, and we provide anything we can to them to help them out as best as we can. Okay, so what kind of information do you provide them with? So a lot of different things is out there. Uh, we have, you know, how to prepare, how to make an evacuation plan for your family, how to prepare evacuation kit, how, you know, how to talk with kids about disasters and what's going to happen. So a very wide range of things as far as hurricane preparedness. And then things like mitigation, like what to take to a shelter, how should you prepare to be at a shelter, what should you take, how should you lock up your house if you decide to evacuate, and then recovery is very big, obviously. Mold, if there we had any flooding, we talk about how to clean up mold, we talk a lot about, we have a lot of education about food safety. How long was your power off? How long was your refrigerator off? What should you do with that food? So there's a lot of hard, fast rules that we put out there for education, for recovery process as well. So we run the gamut of all the way from agriculture as far as you know row crops and livestock all the way to mental health guidelines as well with uh, how you work how to work with folks that have been impacted or have you yourself been impacted also so a broad range of materials that's out there awesome so with the most recent hurricane hurricane michael mm -hmm. how is or how did eden help with the communities in the panhandle 
So Eden was Eden was instrumental with Michael and with Irma as well. They just immediately, the minute they know something's coming, it's interesting the number of emails that myself and Dr. Nick Place, our extension director here, get from the folks that are in our network. And most of the people are within the Southeast that are nearby that say, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? But they immediately can send us links to stuff. They immediately get information to us as quickly as possible. Texas A&M, because of Harvey, has a lot of great information regarding flooding and what to do with wells. And that was one of the things that we were worried about in Michael, because there was a lot of wells over there and people weren't sure how to set those back up. So Texas A&M had some great resources that they sent to us and we pushed it out. We didn't have time to turn stuff around for UFI FIS extension, but their fact sheets were so good, we pushed them out. And so we, we use other universities' information. In addition, Eden Contacts actually also offered up their facilities. Uh, there were some folks in Alabama that offered up for keeping horses, keeping livestock. If people were evacuating, they could go over there to get out of the harm's way. And Mississippi as well offered volunteers to come over and help us as well as uh, we could bring horses over there or livestock for anyone that needed to evacuate also. Oh, that's awesome. So. In your opinion, what is the biggest way that Eden helps these communities besides giving them the information? It's a, ne- it's a true network. It is a, a sharing of resources, a sharing of best management practices. I love to say there's no such thing as a new idea anymore. For instance, after Irma, one of the things that we wanted to do is develop um, continuation of operation plans, which would give each of our extension offices kind of a breakdown of what's going on as well as information uh, regarding the folks that work in that office so that we can get in touch with them. I put a call out to Eden and said, hey, we're interested in doing this. I was in with different people sending me templates. So it's a way for us to not only share those resources and education materials, but it's also a way for us to share best management practices. Hey, this worked for us. It may work for you. In addition, some of the things that we are starting to do as as a group, myself and Mississippi and Alabama are thinking about working together for a grant to where we can more easily volunteer with, within each other's states. Right now, it's kind of tricky just because of the state uh, regulations and guidelines, but it's a way for us also to work together to make more of an impact for preparedness and for recovery. We're going to get hit. I mean, we know that and somebody's going to get hit. And so how best do we work together to help each other out? We're still figuring that out as a team as well. Um, But they really are a network and sharing of resources and and it's just good to bounce some ideas off these folks as well, especially some of those that have been in it much longer than I have. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you believe is the biggest takeaway or benefit from Eden for the public? Um, For the public, I think it's knowing that we're connected to all these different networks. I mean, the public knows that, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, that that southeast quadrant there, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, we are all very susceptible to hurricanes and natural disasters. And I think the public knowing that we have these friends in these other areas, that we're not working in silos, that we really are trying to help each other out, I think it gives a, a vote of confidence uh, that, number one, that we're trying to do as much as we can to help communities prepare, but also that they recover as well, but also that we have we have friends in other places. So, uh, How do you believe that the general public could become more aware of Eden? 
You know, it's interesting because I just gave a talk yesterday to a group of people. It was at a, as a, it was at an academic conference, and I put a whole slide in there about Eden and my job at Eden, and I had so many questions about Eden. And it kind of light bulb went off of maybe I should be talking more about this when I go out and do my presentations because these folks that were in Orlando that I spoke to yesterday from all over the country. So technically, wherever they're from, there's an Eden person in that state usually. So I think trying to get the information out there, uh, number one, through through within Florida, within our extension as well, having them understand that we're part of Eden, I think by what they do out in their communities, using some of those Eden resources, it will eventually take kind of take off a little bit. Eden overall, they're, they're based out of Purdue, and they do some general kind of grassroots marketing to get the information out there, but they really rely heavily on us to, to spread their word around. But I, I do think talking more about them when I talk about the role that they played in, especially with the University of Florida extension in Irma and Michael uh, recovery and preparation. I think it's important to, to get it out there. And the same thing with the extension agents, making sure they understand it. And I think they really understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> so when these families learn about Eden, how, like what way would be the best way for them to reach out to Eden? So we have a website. It's actually about to change, but uh, it's Eden.LS edu because LSU has been the uh, been the keeper of the website, but it is about to change. But you can go in there and click on your state and find out Im- immediately who your Eden point of contact is. So that's the best thing to do. As far as here in Florida as well, um, again, if you click on Florida, my name and Dr. Main's name come, comes up with all of our contact information. So if somebody wanted to learn more, they are more than happy to give us a call. Or like I said, their their kind of main office is out of. Uh, Purdue University and those folks are more than willing to talk to people as well. Awesome. So what is the best way for communities to stay up to date with Eden? The website is probably the best way, actually. Um, we can have as many delegates as we want. We have one point of contact, one or two point of contacts from each university, but we can have many different delegates. So if somebody's really interested in becoming involved um, in Eden and the work that they do, they can become a delegate. And that would be something that would need to be approved by the point of contact within that particular state. We get regular kind of newsletters, updates, listserv types of information as well. But all of that information is housed on our website. Site. So if it's something that they wanted to check in on a co- every couple of uh, weeks or whatever, they'll get the same information. Awesome. What would you say would be the biggest takeaway from Eden that you would like the general public to know? That we all try to work together. Like we don't try to recreate the wheel every time that we're hit with a hurricane or hit with a natural disaster. That we rely on very heavily on each other through this network to really look at what are some best management practices, what are some resources we can do to best help communities. Folks that are part of Eden, I'll have the main goal of trying to help communities as much as possible with disaster preparedness, mitigation, and recovery. And so collectively, as a whole, we're gonna work better than just one solo within in each individual state. So, so we're all looking out for each other, meaning we're all looking out for everybody's states. At the end of Dr. Lindsay's podcast, I asked Dr. Lindsay if there's anything else she'd like to share about Eden. This is what Dr. Lindsay had to say. Hurricane Michael. So Hurricane Michael kind of came very quickly for us. On Sunday afternoon, I was sending a text to Extension Leadership here on campus. Well, they weren't on campus, but we were talking via text messages of, hey, should we start our 
calls, our, our morning calls in prepar- preparation for this tropical storm because at the time it was a tropical storm. And so we decided, yes, that we should. So this was Sunday, Sunday morning. I think our first call, this was the first call was Monday morning. Um, and at the time it was a tropical storm expected to increase to a uh, hurricane one. And that initial phone call was like, okay, what do y'all need? Uh, are you feeling okay? Everybody was like, oh yeah, we got this. No problem. Um, by Tuesday, that was a very different conversation. We were looking at a level three hurricane at that point in time. And so things definitely escalated into what do y'all need? Um, it, it, more so of what can we do to help you? Because so many of our extension agents in the panhandle had to evacuate. They were being evacuated. And some of them were not even in town because they were away at a conference uh, in the other part of the country. So there were some folks that weren't even weren't even there to help prepare, basically. By Tuesday afternoon, it had it, they were anticipating it was going to be a level four hurricane. And so we had another call to really get into what really needs to be done. And at that point in time, people were closing down the offices and they were getting out of there because a lot, like I said, a lot of them were being evacuated. So the storm hit on Wednesday. By Thursday morning, we were getting phone calls and we were getting not many phone calls because there was not much cell service at all. But we were starting to understand the extent of the damage in that particular area. The district director over there, Dr. Pete Forgot, literally had to drive to a Publix in Tallahassee to even call in to talk to us and tell us what was going on, basically, and how bad the devastation was. Um, so that was Thursday. Uh, we started here at the University of Florida um, here in Gainesville. We started collecting supplies. We started sending people over there. The facilities manager went over there on that Friday following the storm because there was so much damage to so many of the extension offices. On Sunday, I took a very big load of stuff. We loaded up a, a truck and somebody drove over there with me of supplies that we got to our extension agents for the actual offices and so the folks that actually some of our extension agents actually stayed in the extension office during the storm. <laughs> so that was a difficult situation as well. They evacuated to the office because they were afraid of what was going to happen, basically. Uh, and recovery was was very slow and very difficult because of the lack of communication. Verizon went completely down um, and AT&T was very backed up. So we were doing a lot of Facebook calls, which I didn't even know you could do a Facebook call. Um, but we did. We were doing Facebook calls and we were just trying to reach people as much as we could to try to get stuff to them and try to get supplies to them and try to get help to them as much as possible. So we were over there. I was over there for a little over a week. Uh, in trying to manage the folks that were volunteering as well as some of the supplies and who needed what and making sure the stuff got out as well as delivering things to folks as well. In addition to communication, the transportation was difficult as well because folks were not being allowed into certain counties because it was so bad. So you literally had to have state credentials to actually get past a lot of these barricades. And even if you had, you know, to get to those barrier points, you were in very long traffic lines that were just insane, basically. I-10 was closed in certain parts, so transportation and getting around there and trying to help these folks was very difficult. And we were trying to support 
our extension agents over there as much as possible. So many of them volunteered to help with FEMA. Uh, many of our extension offices were actually points of distribution or pods for FEMA. And what happens when that happens is FEMA basically comes in to the extension office and just kind of takes over. So they set up pods in about two or three of our extension offices. And then another extension office was actually what's called a DRC, which is a disaster recovery center. And that's where all the nonprofits in a particular area or service-based types of organizations that can offer a service having set up a table right there. So somebody can come in and talk to their insurance person and talk to somebody with FEMA and talk with somebody who can get them some food bank, you know, materials. And our extension offices were turned into kind of FEMA headquarters for several weeks. And just trying to coordinate with the folks that were doing FEMA work, well, who could come over from other parts of the state to actually do some of the ag assessments and some of the work that we ask of our extension after a disaster, like what was the impact on agriculture? What was the impact on some of the industries uh, there that we needed to report back to the state? So we were very lucky in that a lot of the extension agents from other parts of the state and, and, and other counties in the Panhandle that weren't directly impacted came over to do those ag assessments for those extension folks that were busy helping with FEMA and helping with their within their community as well. So, it, you know, I say all the time that I felt like Irma taught us what we needed to do to be more better prepared for storms, like what kind of things we needed in place to be better prepared for storms. I, I really do feel like that, that Irma taught us that. But I feel like Michael really taught us about recovery. So many of our extension folks were directly impacted. Several of them lost, lost their homes. Several of them had trees in their homes. And we had never thought about what happens if our people are directly impacted like this. So we were very reactive because we had to be. We didn't have a plan in place for if we have an extension office who, or extension uh, faculty member who had a tree through their house or who had a family member who was injured. We didn't have a plan for that, but it happened. And it was something that those folks obviously were turned towards their own families and their own homes and were not able to do their jobs as extension folks, obviously, and that they should have been with their families. But we had people that came in to try to help with that extension role that they play within the community. So I feel like moving ahead and lessons learned from Michael, you know, you try to think about the rainbow at the, at the, at the end of the hurricane. And I think the rainbow and the lessons learned is how do we get some recovery standard of operation procedures in place so that we're not being so reactive the next time something happens. So so y'all have created these plans yet? Not yet. I mean, we have a continuation of operations plan that we started after Irma, and I can see adding some of this to it. But every county is different, and so some counties, um, some extension and, and counties work very closely with the Emergency Operations Center, and some do not. So it's really trying to find that balance between, as UF IFAS extension, you know, what standard of operation procedures can we put in place that folks can adapt to their particular area because everybody's different. Everybody's got a different situation in every county. So we want to make sure that whatever we put together is something that everybody can adapt to. And that that may be a little difficult to, to try to do, but that's one of the that's one of our hopes of moving forward.